This episode of the Insurance Coffee House is sponsored by Insurance Search. Insurance Search provides executive recruitment services to insurance companies and brokers in the UK and across the United States. Visit insurance-search.com for more details. The Insurance Coffee House, the place where you get to meet and learn from some of the most successful insurance business leaders from across the world. Hosted by Nick Hoadley, CEO of Insurance Search. Welcome to the Insurance Coffee House Global InsureTech Series. I'm Nick Hoadley, and each week you can join me as I interview leading InsureTech executives from around the world. We will be learning about the different InsureTech technologies and finding out how they can be a benefit to both insurance brokers and carriers when it comes to delivering for your customers. We'll also be learning about the different career opportunities available to insurance leaders within the InsureTech space and what benefits that can give to your career. I hope you enjoy the show. Today, I'm joined by two executives from Formative, who are an InsureTech business based in Philadelphia. First of all, I have Bill Connors, who's the CEO, and Woody Clemmer, who is the head of growth for the business. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks for having us, Nick. It's a real pleasure to have you both joining us today. Really looking forward to hearing more about the great work you're doing there at Formative. If I can ask you guys to start off with, Woody, if I can start with you, would you mind giving our listeners a little bit more of background into your career and the journey that you've taken to joining the team at Formative and as we are in the insurance coffee house today what your go-to coffee of choice is in the morning sure as I will be a recurring theme I will try to keep my answers here succinct but I had a pretty windy career leading up to joining Formative with uh with Bill I started doing odd jobs forever ago when I was in middle school and eventually turned that into a summer business, which turned into a full year business, which turned into a post-college you know, tech startup business. We were sort of an Uber for odd jobs, which turned into an Uber for staffing business for companies. We eventually sold that. And that was how I ended up in Philly to, to partic- essentially grow that business under new management and after two years, I had uh, an opportunity to move on to bigger and better things. And a friend of mine introduced me to Bill and we met for coffee, which is a true story. I'm not just saying that for the show. <laughs> I think we were at Pete's in Philadelphia. And that 15-minute coffee turned into a multiple-hour conversation, which turned into a lunch, which turned into a dinner. And you know, there was some really, really exciting things that Bill and the two other folks at Formotive, Mike and Andrew, were doing at the time. And I was extremely impressed with what they had built and where they were. And they were uh, kind enough to offer me an opportunity to come aboard. And that was, I think, almost two and a half, maybe three years ago now. And so we're clearly in a much different place than we were back then. But it was... Um, Certainly not a, you know, I didn't set out to join an insurance, insured tech company, but I was always excited by AI and they were doing some really, really innovative things that I'm sure we'll talk about today. So that's probably enough about me. I can already see Bill rolling his eyes, but I, uh, (laughs) my coffee, I actually just filled up right before we got on. I'm doing homemade cold brew these days. So it's, you know, less acidic. I know that might not be good for the coffee, but it seems similar enough that hopefully I won't get dinged for that. But thanks that Woody. Thank you for sharing that with us. Bill, over to you now, if you wouldn't mind sharing a bit about your background and what led to you becoming the, the CEO of the business. 
course, they're probably a little bit more of a straight line than uh, than Woody from a sense of right when I graduated college, went to a uh, technology company in the Philadelphia area called Relay Network, got to work with a really experienced management and executive team that had started and sold businesses. That business was in the mobile messaging and mobile UX space. So I got the foray into user experience as well as insurance, both healthcare, PNC, and in banking, because those were our primary industries. Um, we did mobile messaging. So we were sending millions of messages per month on behalf of um, some of these large companies. I caught the entrepreneurial bug. Andrew Schwab, who's the technical founder for Motive, is actually an old colleague of my dad's. Um, so I've known him since I was probably six years old. We started meeting for coffee at 5 a.m., um, just kicking ideas around. Andrew had this company X Forms on the shelf or this technology, I should say. Um, we started to work on it nights and weekends, eventually signed a pilot and then decided in the beginning of 2018, hey, it's move. It's time to move over full time. Um, let's start to do this. Um, so Mike moved. Mike Mayock moved over shortly after that. It was the three of us for about a year, just trying to get pilots off the ground, learn more about the market, and then Woody joined us in the beginning of 2019. And now here we are with you know over 20 employees, growing quickly, working with some of the largest property and casualty and life insurers in the world. And so it's been a hell of a three or four year run at this point. Um, it's certainly not been a straight line, a lot of uh, ups and downs, but we we definitely have hit inflection point over the past six or eight months. Awesome. There's a, clearly a coffee theme here, both sides of things. Bill, clearly a busy man being CEO of the business. What gets you up in the morning? I would say I'll one is... The- I'll answer that as two-week-old baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That that is definitely yeah, that is definitely one, and I forgot to give my coffee a choice, but I'll go with the Philly Company La Cologne um, yeah. Cold Brew. Um, yeah. is, always, is always a good choice. I would say, like besides the two week old daughter, is definitely the people. Right, we've we've really started to build an awesome team. Obviously, Woody, Mike, Andrew, and myself have fought a ton of battles given how early we were in the business. But you know, now as we've expanded and and doubled our team this year, and we'll double again next year, um, we've got a lot of colleagues that we've worked with in the past, or we've just built awesome relationships with. So I'd say by far and away, it's it's about the people, it's about the culture. That's really what gets. You know, me up in the morning and I know it's the same for a lot of folks on the team. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Bill. And yeah, I think one of our first calls actually, you were actually in the maternity room at, at that point. So I can appreciate over the last few weeks you'll be getting some early starts in the morning. Guys, if we can move on now and talk a little bit more about the business, about formative, where is the business at the moment and what what are your plans going forward? Yeah, so we are, as I mentioned, we're a four-year-old business. We're in the behavioral intelligence space. So we've built a behavioral intelligence platform that essentially collects a user's digital behavior. So think their keystrokes, backspaces, mouse movement, corrections, to help insurance carriers and financial services um, companies in real time drive a better user experience, a digital experience for both their agents and customers, and then also reduce risk and improve things like pricing and other internal models. We are um, we've grown we grew 300% in 2020. We've already grown 400% in 2021. We're processing and capturing behavioral data on about 200 million transactions um, per year. 
Um, so we're continuing to expand. We've gotten a ton of verticalized expertise within insurance. We know a lot in insurance as it relates to different use cases across different products and distribution channels. So we've really doubled down in the space given the traction that we've gotten over the past, I'd say, 18 months or so. Awesome. It sounds like a, a great journey so far. How does the product work and how has that been developed over the years since you set up the business? Yeah, so we're at its core a data product and a data science product. We've created this verticalized expertise in insurance. So I think we went from processing 100,000 transactions in 2019 to you know, 200 million this year. So we've grown quickly. And with that, right, you get that flywheel going where the more data we capture, the more expertise we glean, the more it enhances our products, it accelerates sales, drives value for our clients, and we continue to just capitalize on that. So we're always looking to drive more transactions and more use cases, um, continuing to expand across product lines and distribution channels and insurance, and are really leveraging the data to deliver value the second we walk in the door with our customers in the financial services space. Right. And what would you say are the key benefits? What are the solutions that you're providing to the carriers or to the insurance agencies that you partner with? Yeah. So, so first and foremost, it's we give them this new dimension of data. Right. Previously, they're looking at what we call final answer information. We like to use the example or the analogy of the math teacher from university or high school or college who made you show your work, right, where they weren't okay with you filling in the correct bubble. It was much more indicative of your knowledge of the information and ultimately your intent is if they saw how you got there. Right. That's exactly what we're doing for these applications and these insurance carriers. So first and foremost, it's really around giving them this new dimension of intent data. Second is, is it's providing this real-time insight into what users are actually doing so they can optimize their processes. And then finally, it's tying the data set to meaningful um, business outcomes. So tying the data to what it means for claims, what it means for fraud, what it means for pricing, what it means for cross-selling a customer and providing that information real-time to the carriers that we're working with. Yeah, great stuff. So just breaking things down. So if insurance carrier obviously selling through their through their website or or through a portal, how does the technology work? How does the carrier get information about that, either that particular customer or a customer set about how likely they are to buy the insurance, how interested they are? How does that all work? Yeah, so we have JavaScript that you drop into your website that captures this data. Really important to note. There's no PII being captured, so it's GDPR, California Consumer Privacy Act compliant, um, but this is capturing this data real time. And then what we're doing in the background is running analytics, machine learning models against the data set and providing insight back to the carrier as the user is actually filling out the application so the carrier can now take action. So you now have this information real time versus getting it yes. submit on submit um, in the past. What can the carrier do with that information to generate increased sales or maybe cross-sell to that particular customer? How, how can they use that data for their benefit? Yeah, so they're leveraging the information to really, we're measuring the user's intent. So then they're leveraging that information to actually change the experience, right? So say someone might look fraudulent. Well, hey, we're going to require some more information from this customer or this pr prospective customer. 
versus someone who is highly engaged. Hey, let's cross sell them another product. Mm-hmm. Let's give them something else. So it's really all around providing this real-time intent information to our customers. And given where we are, we, we know what those intent signatures are, which is really exciting. We're seeing it the same things pop across our customer base. And I, this this might lead nicely into your what I imagine will be your next question about sort of holistically the insurance industry. But if you just think about it kind of high level, it was not that many years ago that a lot of this was done face-to-face where you and I would be sitting across the table from each other. And if I'm a salesperson, you know, which we all are, you just intuitively read and react to somebody's body language, right? Tone of voice, eye contact, how are they moving their body? If someone was confused, you would know that. And you wouldn't just sit there and watch them. You would reach across the table. You'd come around. You'd help them out. We're trying to give that same level of experience online. When you go online, you remove every one of those behavioral cues. You're stuck with, as Bill mentioned, the final answer data. So it's really about not just, hey, this is a really cool data set, but it is how do we make this experience more human? How do we make this experience where everything, especially with COVID, where this stuff is, it's you have to go online now. A lot of this cannot be done face-to-face with either regulations or just the transformation has accelerated so fast. So how can we humanize this experience? How can we give people that same level of attention and detail in the way that, you know, the experience feels personalized to them? And we think the whole industry is going to move that direction, just like the whole world is. You go on Amazon or Netflix, it's individualized to you. If you went on and Bill went on and I went on, we'd all see different stuff. And we're not saying that's necessarily every application is going to be crazy different. But if I'm a digital native, you know, the experience should be pushing me towards more digital self-service chatbots. You know, I don't want to talk on the phone to anybody. I'm a millennial. But my mother, on the other hand, she might want to. Right. And so maybe it's more let's change the experience. Maybe there's a call center, a call number that pops up Let's have a dedicated line for folks like this. So. There's a way for them to actually adapt real time. This isn't retroactive. This is proactive where I'm actually in the application mm-hmm. and it's saying, hey, this person could use this. Let's help them do that. And that by nature is just going to increase conversions. It's going to increase the user experience, customer satisfaction, you know, all the fun stuff that you were able to do in person that you no longer can do online. So as well as being a benefit to the distributors of insurance, it's actually the the customers and the policyholders themselves, making it an easier buying experience, an easier process for them. Presumably, if they're on a website of an insurance company or brokerage, they they are looking to buy insurance in the first place, and it's actually helping them over the line or, or making it easier for them to do that transaction. In terms of increased revenue, have you got any figures on how much it increased sales for those partners that you work with? Yeah, we're seeing generally mid-teens improvements in conversion rates um, across distribution channels. So whether it's direct consumer or agent distribution or intermediary distribution, we're seeing mid-teens improvements in conversion rates. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for that, Bill. Woody, I'd like to ask you about the future of the insurance industry and how you see things developing over the next few years. What type of insurance businesses do you think will be successful during these times? I think the playbook's already out there. It's happened with e-commerce. It's happened with streaming. It's happened with you know any sort of technological evolution that's happening. COVID has accelerated things from, let's just call it five years to 18 months where businesses may have had a five-year roadmap. And now they're saying, oh my God, you know we have to go online and we have to do it in the next 24 months. What do we do? How do we do it? How do we survive? Not to mention 
2015 was sort of the launch pad for all these new insure texts that are coming out. So you've got all these digital natives that are marketing themselves to digital natives like myself. It's this new generation where it's not so much relationship-based and my dad had this insurance agent and now I do. It's the lemonades of the world and the hippos of the world who are getting you cheap now, instant payout, instant gratification. We are an on-demand culture at this point. So we really think that the insurance carriers that see that and adapt to that, nobody wants to be blockbuster. And if you don't adapt, you're going to die. And I think that the bigger companies in particular, uh, the insure techs, everyone that is pushing for that next level of you know digital adoption, again, instant everything, straight through processing, accelerated underwriting, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera while maintaining a a very positive user experience without just opening up the castle gates so that risk and flood pours through. Um, We think that those businesses, and in particular in terms of what we're doing, not to be self-servant with my answer here, but, you know, a lot of the times there's this tug and pull between, well, if we reduce friction during the application process, we're just going to really jack up the risk Mm -hmm. or vice versa. If we add a lot of friction, we're going to make a terrible user experience. And what we're trying to do is, is say, you can do both. You can have your cake and eat it too. We can help you analyze and understand and make a really good user experience without sacrificing the risk and fraud. And so I think that that's going to be important for folks. And whoever can really understand user intent is going to be the ones that survive in the future. And that's going to be across the board. That's going to be with claims. It's going to be with you know agent experience. It's going to be all throughout financial services, product personalization, pricing personalization, you know, you name it, that's the direction we're heading. And then I really think, you know, lastly is, is just data. You know, there's so much new data happening right now that was never possible before. And as 5G comes out and IoT comes out, you've got satellites and spatial imagery and you've got flood mapping. And especially, I mean, everyone sees what's happening in the world right now. You need better data. You know, mm-hmm. forecasting these things is going to be a nightmare you just look at New York a couple of weeks ago, you look at all the flooding that's happened. So I think people are going to need a way of not, you know, crystal ball would be nice, but any sort of how can we predict what's going to happen next and mitigate the risk associated with that is going to be really, really important. Yeah, I, th- I think it's potentially a really exciting time for the insurance industry. I think there's opportunity to serve customers a lot better, like you say, use, using the data to really be able to underwrite and to price those risks a lot more accurately but also as well, not have that face off with customer engagement. So I think a lot of the time people think, actually, if you've got a really great customer engagement process, that actually the quality of the product might fall down or the underwriting on the pricing side, but it is actually possible to do both. And I think that's really interesting. I think I think you make a fantastic point there. So thank you for that, Woody. Guys, we've reached that time of the show now, our espresso round where the Questions are short, sharp, and straight to the point. So I know you both like your coffee. Coffee's been very inspirational in the growth of your business. Are you guys ready for the espresso round? Let's do it. Let's do it. The espresso round. What percentage of your employees are from an insurance compared to a non-insurance background? Roughly 40% are from traditional insurance background. And... What would you say is the value in bringing someone into your business or promoting someone within who's got that insurance knowledge and expertise? 
For us, it's all about verticalized expertise with the carriers that we're working with. So the more of that domain knowledge we bring in, um, the more value we deliver. So we're always looking for folks, you know, the the if someone's a seven out of 10 and they've got insurance background, they bump themselves up to an eight or a nine. Fantastic. And what would you say are the personalities that fit working in presumably a, a very fast pacing and growing business like yours? So I always kind of think, on the sales side, it's resiliency and consistency. These are long sales cycles. Nobody said ever said insurance moves quickly. Somebody actually once said, if you want to make money as slowly as possible, start an insure tech. So, which I love that quote. I say that a lot. But I think the biggest adjustment for folks coming from insurance is, is you know, we are a startup. We are building the plan as we fly. And a lot of it is, is come in and make your mark versus this has been around for 180 years and there's structure. And you come in day one with you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You know, we are a startup through and through. And I think that that's fun for a lot of people and it's exciting and it's fast moving and fast paced. And you can really kind of, again, make your mark and make an impact. But if that is not the type of personality that you have, you will not just stay where you are. You know, don't come to a 20 person company that's trying to double and double again, um, you know, because there's a lot of change that happens every day. Absolutely. That's such sage advice. Particularly at the moment, there are a lot of insurance executives looking at the technology market at the moment, looking at the opportunities there. But I would really echo that advice that if that speed of thinking, speed of decision making, you know, all hands to the pump attitude is, is not how you like to do things, then I think that's great advice, Woody. I'd stay within that comfort of that insurance company. What would you say are the the opportunities? career opportunities, development opportunities of working for a business like yours? So similarly, I would say, you know, at an insurance company, when you start out, your boss might have 15 bosses. So the upward mobility is going to be a lot slower. It's probably a lot more regimented for us. Mm -hmm. You know, we just hired a salesperson that started yesterday, four months from now, we might have five more salespeople. That person might be managing those five people. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just the upward mobility and the ability to grow quickly. And again, and I can't stress this enough, is make your mark. Come in. What do we do well? What do we not do well? What should we fix? You know, come in and actually, you know, make an impact, make some change, help us grow. You know, this isn't about doing exactly what you're told all the time. It's what do you think we can do better? Mm -hmm. Tell us what you think we should do. You know, we're very open and honest. I think that's a, a really good leadership quality of Bill too, not to pump his tires too much, but he loves hearing, you know, it's like Steve Jobs said, I hire smart people not to tell them what to do, but so they can tell me what to do. And I think Bill and the management team do a really good job of that. Yeah, we always, um, I always like to say it's the best way to accelerate your career. Like we, we started this, I think I was 26, you know, Mike was 26. People bet on us. They believed in us. When Woody joined, he was 27. Like we're a, we're a younger scrappy group and to the extent that someone wants to get into management quickly, go fast, be a part of a winner, um, be a part of a company that's growing is is always really important. So I always think a startup is a great way to accelerate your career. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Clearly as well, you value and you've been very successful in hiring talent from the insurance industry. But are there any frustrations or any challenges you've faced when bringing people from the industry, is there anything you still see lacking that doesn't quite work at a business like yours? I think the biggest thing that we see, and it's not, I wouldn't say it's, it's a, it's lacking, but insurance is so slow moving. If you hire someone from a big carrier, 
say a data scientist, they might not have put a model into production in, you know, they might've put one model into production in two years. Mm-hmm. Right. Whereas with us, it's, Hey, they, they come to Formotive, they could put three in production in two months. Right. So it's really around that speed of decision-making and, and recognizing, Hey, in some cases, like it's not about consensus. It's about whoever's close to the closest to the client or closest to the solution just delivers and builds um, and really seeing that trust of making really big, important decisions fast, which I, I don't think happens in the insurance space or in candidly any larger regulated organization. So it's not just insurance, but I, I'd say that's definitely um, the thing that we see lacking um, in the in the prospective employees that we speak to from the insurance space. And then Nick, also, like I think in four years, we've had two people, two turnovers, and it was junior, and in both of them, we, we gave references to it was we threw a party for them when they left. They both said, I think the big company is where I'm meant to be. And we said, absolutely, no problem. Where can we help you get a job? So, you know, it's it goes back to that. Do you want to be part of this type of business? It's not for everybody. It's stressful. There's long nights. There's long days. You know, as Bill knows now, there there's only days for him. He doesn't get to sleep. But, you know, it, it does go back. We really try to suss that out during the interviews of like, I always have now flipped it into, I almost try to talk people out of coming to join us because it's, there's a lot going on here and it's not all roses, you know, and we're figuring stuff out every day. So if you're good with that, come on in. If not, no hard feelings. Yeah, that's a great attitude to have. It it is not for everyone and there's no no point in trying to force the issue on something that's not going to work there. Final question in the espresso round leads on very nicely actually if there are any executives or leaders out there from the insurance industry considering a move at the moment particularly to an insure tech or to a to a startup business what would your advice be to them to prepare themselves to make sure that that is a successful transition that's a that's a really good question i think the biggest thing is is at a large organization you might have one or two strategic initiatives per year for us, and, and there might be one release, right? For us, it's you're going to have three to five strategic initiatives a quarter, and you're going to move fast, and you're going to make decisions quickly, and you can't de-risk every decision that you make beforehand, right? We're always making decisions saying, hey, we know 20% of the information, but it gets us 80% of the way there. Let's go that route because you know I think it was Eric Schmidt who said, decide, decide, decide. Let's just make decisions fast. And if, we, if something gets messed up, we're going to change quickly. We'll pivot. And I know for me, I know for Woody, for Mike, for the rest of the management team, we're always trying to build the most nimble organization possible. Let's go the furthest way down the path that we can while being able to change and turn and turn on a dime, right? Because that's what's really important given our size and given where we're going as we've established product market fit is, is like we can forecast into the future and plan, 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 but the plan's literally irrelevant the second that you write it down. The next day, 10 things have already changed. So for any executive, that's, I'd say, much different than a, than a larger more established company. That's just such fantastic advice, Bill. Really appreciate that. What are some of the projects or some of the markets that you're looking to to open up and grow and expand into over the next couple of years? Would you mind sharing a little bit further on that? Yeah, so we're going to build a massive business within insurance and insure tech. For us, it's continuing to, to expand globally, continuing to expand in the UK and in the EU. We have 
clients in Australia, we have clients in Africa. So we do have clients everywhere right now, but continuing to you know expand globally, I would say is a is a big initiative. Um, and then there's plenty of you know there's plenty of business in North America um, that we need to need to go get. But continuing to build out that expertise, um, continuing to build out use cases, building out our platform. Um, there, there's so much room to grow. It's going it's definitely going to be an exciting 12, 24, 36 months as we take the company to the next level. I mean, we're where we all I think we're through those you know dog days where Woody, Mike, me, Andrew are banging our heads against the wall questioning our existence. And we're now at the phase where, hey, we're going to have some real fun. We're going to hire some awesome people and we're going to build an unbelievable company. The existential pit of doom that every entrepreneur knows all too well. Absolutely. It sounds like very, very exciting times ahead. Thank you, guys. That was fantastic. We've almost reached the end of our time in the insurance coffee house today. But can I just ask you both if you've got one piece of closing advice to our listeners and how would they go about contacting you or reaching out to you after the show? Woody, I'll let you take that one first. Um, Formotive is hiring. We're hiring rapidly. We're hiring all across the industry. If you want to join a very fun, you know, I will never use the term rocket ships just because I, I hate that. But, you know, we are moving quickly. We are doing some very innovative stuff. The team is fun. Uh, the leadership team is, is I think, in a position to really take this, not to a 10 million, but 100. And who knows after that type of a business? Give us a shout. We, uh, formotive.com, F O R M O T I V.com. You can find us on LinkedIn on the website. But yeah, reach out. Let us know if you're interested. And our emails too are Bill and Woody. So it would be Bill at formotive.com and Woody at formotive.com. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Yeah, we'll, we'll post those on the show notes and all the hiring you're doing, we'll, we'll put a link to your careers page as well. Bill, do you have one piece of closing advice for us? Yeah, I would say when we're whenever we're talking to a candidate, it's you're trying to find doers. There are a lot of people who are good at writing things down and analyzing and figuring out, you know, different paths to go down. And everyone's got all these different degrees. I'm going to get my MBA. I'm going to get my CFA. I'm going to get my Series 7, Series 63, whatever it is. We're always looking for people who have done and, and made decisions, taken risk, and, and are real doers um, and have achieved success and had hundred setbacks in the process. So I think most startups, you need doers, you need people who aren't afraid to, uh, to make those decisions quickly when they don't have all the information. So over the course of the career for anyone trying to get into technology or insure tech, it's really around building a story around being a creator and being a doer at a big company or at a small company or at an agency or at a carrier. It really doesn't matter. All about getting on with it, actually doing it I think there's a slogan out there from Nike somewhere that sums it up quite well, Bill. Bill, Woody, thank you so much for your time today. It's been really interesting to hear about the work that you're doing there for Motive and the exciting plans that you have going forward. Uh, thank you for your time today. Thanks, Nick. We appreciate you having us. Thanks a lot. You got it. To all the insurance and insurtech leaders out there, wherever you're listening around the world today, we thank you for joining us. And I'm sure you would have gained a lot of insights and great advice from woody and bill today if you did enjoy the show please remember to download and subscribe to the pod to receive each one of our episodes directly into your app each week and if you'd like to be a guest on the show 
or I'd like to learn more about the competitive advantage that podcasts can give to your business when attracting talent, please reach out to us at insurance-search.com or drop us a message on LinkedIn. Until next time, I've been Nick Codley. This has been the Insurance Coffee House Global InsureTech Series. Take care. You've been listening to the Insurance Coffee House with Nick Hoadley. Join us next time to hear more insights and inspiring success stories to help you become a better insurance business leader. Available to download or subscribe now.